0: What's up, guys? It's time to go Behind the Bum. What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of Behind the Bum. Today's episode I am calling Generations of Gay. Um, I invited three men who are over the age of 50 to come on and share their coming out stories, what it was like growing up during the AIDS epidemic, and I feel like older men don't get enough attention in our community, so I feel like this will be a good learning experience for me and everyone else who's listening. So let me see who is first. All right. so my first guest I wanted to invite on was Liam from Boston. So Liam, tell me a little bit about like where you're from, where you grew up, and what you do.
1: Sure. So um, I grew up in northern New Jersey, um, came to a college up in New England. And something about, about the Boston area really kind of got under my skin, and I've been living here now for 30 years. Wow. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm 53. I moved here when I was 23. So you were like a fresh
0: gay moving there. I was, well, I was, no, there's a story behind
1: that. So I was not a fresh gay. Oh my God. I was a deeply closeted gay um, who actually was dating women at the time.
0: Okay, so let's let's go back to that moment in your life, right? Sure. Yeah. So you were 23.
1: Yep.
0: You were in the closet, so you were dating women. I'm assuming. I was, yeah. And then at what point did you come out?
1: Uh, I came out when I was 35. So I actually not just was dating women, but I actually got married and had kids. So when I came out, I was 35. And you know, so like I think a lot of people struggle with coming out and like you know, is their family going to accept them and all that kind of stuff. But I had the extra wrinkle of also having to navigate ending a marriage, you know? So that was really hard, you know? And telling children. That was a tough thing, and having kids. You know, coming out was really going to impact a lot of people's lives, just not my own. So how did you
0: navigate your sexuality, I guess? Like, did did you feel like you were stuck in maybe this rat race of just keeping up with your friends, that since, like, your friends were marrying women, you felt that was, like, your next step to do as well?
1: Well, no, I mean, I think I thought... For a lot of my life, I think I thought I was bisexual. Okay. Um, Right. And, you know, really what I came to the conclusion at some point in my 30s was that I was really just in denial, you know, really I was, I was a gay man who was now found himself in a, in a heterosexual marriage and to be true to myself and to be fair to my, my wife, you know, I felt I needed to come out relatively early, you know. Given Did your age. ex-wife had any, like, inkling or anything at all? No, it was, a, it was a total surprise. Damn. Total surprise. Yeah. It was tough. You know, it was really tough.
2: You I know, mean, there was,
1: there was some other stuff going on in the background, like she had certain health issues and things like that. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of internal turmoil around, around the whole process. So
0: when you were, Growing up, I'm assuming you probably were in high school around the 80s, right? Yeah. Like That was pretty much like the heat of like the AIDS epidemic, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Do you think that that kind of impacted your coming out and like sexual identity at all as well?
1: I, absolutely. You know, when I was, I was maybe 13 or 14, I grew up, you know, like I said, I grew up uh, in New Jersey, um, just outside New York City. So I think I was like maybe 13 or so when the first cases of AIDS started creeping into the newspapers in New York and, like, on the evening news and everything like that. So I've never known a period of my life where HIV and AIDS wasn't a mortal threat, you know? And I think that for somebody coming of age, you know, starting to learn who he was, you know, you know, what I was feeling inside and all that stuff, that was a big threat, you know? So I think that that had a bit of a you know, formation on me, you know, in terms of of going into the closet. I also grew up in a very, very Irish Catholic family, which, um, you know, has a whole other set of kind of like inducing, you know, and I was the only son in in an Irish Catholic family, you know, so there was like a lot of pressure on me. I felt to be kind of like the perfect normal son, you know. Um, So there were a lot of things, but I I think HIV and AIDS had a really big impact on me. A deep psychological impact when I was, like, 13 years old. Do you think... D- so how old were you when you first hooked up
0: with a man, though? Um, 21. Okay, so you waited a while.
1: Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I waited. It was after college. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, there was certainly there were times in my life, especially in college, when I went away to school where it was like I had a little bit of freedom and I was, like, kind of thinking about it more. Yeah. You know? But I never really acted on it until I I was older, you know. And I think also at that point, by the time I did act on it, it was like quite a bit more known about HIV and, and, and everything. You know, it was, you know, when I was thirteen years old, it was like people thought they'd catch it, you know, by just going on, the, on a city bus, you know. So it's almost like
0: equivalents like Corona, right? It now. was like Corona was, like, was in the
1: air. Exactly. You know, it's like COVID nineteen, right? You know, you're gonna catch it wherever you go. Um, but for, you know, for me then, by the time I was 21, there was a lot more known. You know, so, um, yeah, I was 21. Do you think
0: that it's like been a difficult thing to grasp of like, so you obviously didn't really grow up with the gay community in a way, right? where I think a lot of people nowadays grow up in the gay community, where it kind of shapes you as a person in a way at a younger age. Mm -hmm. But do you think that starting in the gay community, if you want to say that at the age of 35, do you think that aging within the gay community, like has impacted you at all?
1: Well, I don't think so. So I think when I came out, you know, at 35, I was already kind of like a junior daddy, you know, (laughs) I was already kind of old, you know, Um, but I think what, what I benefited from is I had somebody who was 20 years older than I am, you know, he was in his fifties who acted like as a mentor to me. Um, and he was a very good friend of me then. He still is a very good friend of me now. He's in his seventies. And he, for me, was kind of like a model of what I wanted to be as I was, became an aging gay man, you know, like he's somebody who I think is like one of the most chic men I know. Right. And he just is like growing so elegantly. I love that term. She, I want to be a she gay old man. Right. Exactly. You know, you you don't want to be some like messy old troll, you know, never 65, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be a young troll either. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's been great, you know, to have him as like a mentor, um, and kind of show me what, what I could be, you know, um, You know, there's this, Diane von Furstenberg, who, you know, is the old-fashioned designer, had this saying about she never knew what she wanted to do for work, but she always knew the person she wanted to be, and she became that, right? You know, that, to me, is kind of like my philosophy on things. I don't care about age. What I care about is, like, am I living up to my potential, and am I being myself? So do you think as you, like, so let's say you're starting at
0: 35, do you think that that was your happiest point in life or do you feel happier now that like the world's in a better, I guess you could say like social status, right? Like I feel like people are more accepting of gay people. Um, Like when do you think your like happiest time period in life was?
1: So I think my happiest time period is now actually. Um, Yeah. When I came out, it was like all of a sudden it was like kid in the candy store kind of thing, you know, and, and I was, I, was a relief for me. Like it was such a psychological weight lifted off my shoulders that I was really happy at that point. But you know, then reality sets in, you know? Um, but for me, I think I'm happier now because I think by the time I hit my mid to late 40s, finally, like my career started taking off. My kids started getting into like college and finally I started feeling like, okay, I've actually started, I've actually achieved some things here, you know? Um, and it just continues to this day. So, I think now is when I'm I'm at my happiness. minus COVID. But yeah, <laughs> minus COVID. You know, COVID has thrown a lot of monkey wrenches into things. You know, not gonna I would lie. Say so,
0: not gonna lie. Um, so, when you look at the younger generation of gay men, do you think that they give older men the time of day, or do you think it's kind of a struggle to like even keep friendships with like younger gay men, or do you feel this like kind of age divide?
1: I definitely think there's an age divide, but I think it's a two-way street, right? I think
3: younger gay men, I
1: don't think really can appreciate what older gay men can offer them, right? And I'm not talking about in relationships, although that's a possibility, but I think just in terms of like platonic friendship, you know, like I said, like I, when I came out, I had the benefit of having somebody who's 20 years older than I am acting as a mentor for me right? And it was fantastic. Um, But I think it's a two-way street. I think that the the gay community so prizes youth that a lot of older men hold off from even approaching younger guys, even if it's just to start a a platonic conversation, like no romantic involvement, whatever, you know? Every older gay man has been in the younger gay man's shoes and knows what it is to be approached by an older gay man and thinking that that's just a dirty old creep you know? Um, so I think a lot of older gay men purposefully hold back. You know? It's, it's definitely tough because I
0: feel like whether a young guy approaches somebody in their fifties or older, it's immediately like, you're probably thinking, what does this kid want from me? He probably wants a free drink or he's going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's probably yeah. What is in the back of your mind. Yeah. But older guy comes up to me I'm not thinking, oh, this guy's looking to be my friend. Like, he's going to try to bribe me or he wants, like, some ulterior fucking right, shit, you know? Right.
1: But, and, that guy, and that guy knows that. Like, he might just be coming up to you because to to, he knows maybe you're in, like, the local flag football league and he has a question for you about it, right? But there's always this, this kind of, like, weirdness about it, crossing a certain age barrier. But I think it goes both ways,
0: Well, do you think it's easy to approach gay men your age? Like, let's say you were in a bar, and it was a lot of people, like, in their 50s or 60s. Are you comfortable just, like, approaching them, saying hi, and, like, shooting the shit? Or is there still that, like, kind of, like, stigma that's like, oh, what do you want from me?
1: Well, let let me get this straight. So, it's still 50s. It's not 60s yet. Well fair, okay. <laughs> okay. Well I'm not gonna <laughs> age the conversation. I get it. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, you know, yeah, if I'm in if I'm in like a, a social setting where it's people like contemporaries of mine, I'm totally comfortable walking up to whomever. I'm I'm not totally intimidated by young gay guys. Like I have some good friends who are actually in their twenties and thirties, right? I only got those because at some point, you know, I got over that kind of fear barrier and initiated a friendly gesture to them right? Yeah. Um, and it was fortunate enough that it was just genuinely a friendly gesture and not, there were no, there's no ulterior motives. Um, but no, I'm totally comfortable being in a setting of, with with guys my own age.
0: So when you look at, let's just say the gay community, the younger gay community, do mm-hmm. you think that we take advantage of what kind of people from your generation have gone through before us? Kind of just like paving the way, making a social statement about that gay men exist and that the LGBT community is real, do you think that we don't fully understand?
1: No, I mean, I think that there's an appreciation for it. Um, I think the thing that is beyond young gay people's comprehension, though, is just really how kind of, like, psychologically devastating the whole HIV thing was. Like, for, for I'm not going to ask your age, you know? I'm going to Oh, God. But, you know, so you've never, you've never known a a period of of your life, really, where there haven't been treatments for HIV, right? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I think it's always been
0: something, you don't want it, but it's not like you're scared to hook up with somebody or that, like, if you did get it, it's not viewed as a death sentence. Right.
1: Right. So, like, I think the first antiretrovirals for HIV were, were issued out in, like, 1994. You know, you were, like, what? a year and a half at that point, you know, um, you know, prep has been out for several years now. Right. So it's like, there are a lot of things that are in place. I, I think younger people, and again, I did not live on the front lines of this because I was in straight relationships, but I think what a lot of younger people don't realize is the psychological impact of a bunch of people your age in your twenties, your early thirties going to a funeral every week. For somebody you knew, like out on Fire Island last summer, is suddenly dead. You know, it's it. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of of psychological impact. Like I have certain friends of mine who came out when they were twenty, right? So they're and they're my age now. Their friend groups were decimated. You know, they they lost like half of their friends during during the eighties and nineties. You know, it's a terrible thing. That's tough. Yeah. Well, if you could leave advice
0: to people who are listening to this right now, whether they're 20, 30, or they could be 10 years old listening to this, like, what advice would you give to gay men who are younger than you just kind of on this journey of becoming an adult?
2: I would say... um,
1: I would say don't uh, turn down an opportunity, right? So... Somebody who's older than you may extend, like, a a friendly gesture to you. Don't shut them down because you think, like I said earlier, you know, he's, like, some dirty old creep. He may not be interested in you that way, right? I don't regret, like, over my experiences in life, I don't regret the things that I chose to do. Even if they turned out to be disasters, they turned out to be, like, toxic relationships, right? They at least taught me what I either don't want or they taught me what I like or don't like, right? So everything was a learning experience. The things that I, I regret are the opportunities that I didn't take advantage of, the things I missed out on, right? And so I think my advice to younger people is take advantage of the opportunity. Worst case scenario, it's a disaster, right? But you don't ever have to repeat that mistake again. Yikes, <laughs> but if, right, one and done. But if you don't take up that opportunity, you'll never know what you may have gotten out of it. You'll forever
0: wonder the what ifs. Yeah, exactly. I get it.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, Liam, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Sure.
1: Love your Instagram. All
0: right, guys. My next guest I want to invite on is Edwin Douglas from South Carolina. How are you, beautiful? I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. So you look like you got some sun. What the fuck did you do all day?
3: Well, uh, I just got back from a long weekend at a lake in North Carolina. Where we had eleven guys and or five couples and one single guy, and my boy, there was three of us who are fifty plus, and so I guess eight of us were under thirty five, and I think the little young boys had trouble keeping up with us old guys.
0: I mean, I can tell you've been drinking all day, and I love it, and I.
3: <laughs> no, I haven't actually. This is my first drink. Without... Oh, I was <laughs>
0: So you've been trying to keep up and like catch up, I should say.
3: No, I've been drinking hard for three days, so I didn't have a drink until seven o'clock tonight. (laughs) I drink every day, but tonight I had to wait till seven. I love that.
0: Well, so you're from South Carolina. What do you do for work? What's your job? I'm a realtor. I sell residential real estate. Very cool. So how old were you when you came out?
3: It was a couple of weeks before my 50th birthday. So. No way, really? Yes, for, so just about five years ago. Oh, man, you're a newbie. I'm a newbie. Well, I'm not newbie to guys, just newbie <laughs> to me. <you know. laughs> <laughs> I was married for 25 years, four kids, all that stuff. So, like, you did the whole thing, like, married whole to a, thing. Woman. Married a woman, 25 years, four kids. Um, like I said, a lot of the people we run around with are younger than some of my kids. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to do it now. You know what I mean? You like You got to gotta live that. That's right. You
0: got to own it. So, I mean, what took you? I mean, is that bad to say? What took you so long?
3: Well, it's just, you know, with the family that I, from which I came, that you know, it was just expected. You know, in, in the 80s, when I was coming of age, it just was a different time then. You know, it wasn't so much the age stuff. It's just the stigma. You know, I I always knew I was gay, but God forbid, I was just too weak and ashamed and embarrassed to own it. And I was expected to have a family and get married and, you know, work and join the country club and be a prominent member of the community and just live that life. And I did for for 25 years.
0: (laughs) That is crazy that you could do that, though. I mean,
3: Mm -hmm. and it was really scary. I mean, I thought that. You know, when I came out, I thought, like, my ex, you know, she, like, hid all, you know, like, the hunting rifles and things. She hid the guns thinking I might commit suicide and everything. And it was a dark, a you know, a dark short period. But, and I thought I'd have to drop out of my business clubs and maybe move out of my small conventional town and, you know, drop out of just things and friends and children. You know, we had a lot of friends. You know, we were a popular couple, you know. Popular guy, you know, popular enough, and, but I didn't have that experience. People were, I mean, if it was almost like if I had been screwing around with my secretary or a woman, I'd have been ostracized, whereas people, well, it was fun. Half the world was like, well, I already knew, and the other half was, well, I'm not surprised, and the, other, wow. and the, third, and the third were like, well, I had no idea. So, but people were just like, you know, they were almost like sympathetic and happy for me. Well, Well, I mean, that's a tough thing. It
2: Uh, It was tough. Yeah. How did your kids take it?
3: You know, pretty, really well. My two other daughters were grown, and they were fine. And I cried when I told them and all that, but they were fine. And then I never said anything to my son and younger daughter, just because they were younger. And then about, like, two years later, I found out, you know, through the grapevine that, well, I found out that they had heard through the grapevine that I was gay and so my son was in college and we were drinking at his fraternity party with parents weekend. and Yeah. And my ex was there and everybody all knew a lot of the other parents. They all knew. And I just said, all I really said to him is, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, if you're upset by this, but I'm not ashamed. And he said, Oh no, this is, it's fine. I think you're the bravest person I know. I was like, okay. That's so cute. And so I've never had another discussion with him about it and, I've never talked to my daughter who just graduated from high school going to college Friday, but um, she knows and like my boyfriend and not she comes with her boyfriend with my boyfriend and comes over and you know we go to dinner and Thanksgiving with the ex and the new fiance. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to own it and just do it. That's, That's better so than hate I, I mean. It's it's really good, I have to say. I'm, uh, oh my God, I'm my lucky.
0: heart right now.
3: Ugh. I'm lucky. And, you know, so that's just, what are you going to do?
0: Well, let me ask you. So when you were growing up in the 80s, though, like how bad was the stigma of being gay? Was it more everybody was scared to be near gay people because of HIV and AIDS at the time period? Or was it, like, what was the whole stigma behind it?
3: You know, I don't. I never experienced. You know, you were all. Oh, I mean, we were terrified of AIDS, and you know, not only of getting it and then dying, but also if you got it, you were outed. So it was like a double whammy, too, if you were closeted.
2: Yeah. Um. But I don't think that. Oh,
0: ask a question again. Tell me, what did
3: you like, say?
2: Do
0: you like? Do you think that that impacted your coming out? I
3: guess it didn't for me. It was more just. Uh, it wasn't the AIDS and all. It was just the. Social norm. I mean, you, it wouldn't be accepted. I couldn't. I'd, I'd be ostracized from my family and my community and the life only life that I knew, and the life that I was expected to lead. And the great irony is, twenty five years later, you know, I did my ex wife wrong, but you know, so I, I, I can't. I can't help that. But um, I never experienced that ostrac. You know, I would have experienced it thirty years ago but I didn't experience it now. Does that make sense? So you never
0: had to face the like, tough challenges of a gay man because you never really led the lifestyle of a gay
3: man in a way. You know what? That is exactly right. I enjoyed all the privileges, and I really have never had to experience it, the challenges that gay people do. And even now, I mean, I'm out. I run with a gay crowd. I don't experience it, though. Well, I
0: think when we look at our lives now, and this is why I wanted to do this podcast, is I think a lot of times people who might be new to the gay scene or who are, let's say, like under the age of 35, they don't fully understand what it was like to try and come out like 15 years ago or even 10 years ago, it was difficult to come out. You know what I mean? Like, I think gay is so prevalent now and it's on television, it's on social media, like, it's way more in the social norm. Whereas before it was like, you maybe would see a drag queen walk in the street. If you were in, in New York for a weekend, you know, right. like
3: you know, they didn't exist. I mean, there'd be one gay bar in the town and people would park around the corner. Yeah. To, to go to it. You wouldn't have let your car be seen in the parking lot. um, And you just, you just couldn't do it. I mean, and I have to say like my boyfriend and our best friend, they were, they came out at 18. And they were much braver than we we're all kind of the same age. Well, their parents kicked them out, ripped up their clothes, threw them out the window, fired you know if they worked for them, fired them from their jobs. You know they didn't get to go to college. You know, but they were much braver and than I was. And I they was like bad. led
0: the gay lifestyle, yeah. And then
3: they they owned it at eighteen and have been. And I wish I had the guts and the courage because it took a lot of courage and. 1983, when I graduated from high school to do that.
0: Well, do you think so? When you look at your life, do you kind of regret ever waiting as long as you did, or do you think you're happiest now that you did wait that long?
3: Well, I'm happiest now just because I'm living my true self. But I am, I do regret, you know, I don't, you know, regret my children and I had a great life, you know, we did have fun. But I do regret not coming out sooner when i was you know 22 years old yeah or 18 even but i would have had a different life it would be very different for it
0: would sure be very, different. <laughs> it would be very very different to say the least
3: but yeah i do regret it but not in the sense i don't want to you know negate any of the good things in the good life that i had even that came out, it, out of it for that sure that came out of it exactly but i do regret it do you think that there's this i mean
0: as someone in their 50s, do you think there's this different in generational age gaps between, like, younger gay men or older gay men? Or do you find it hard to, like, maintain a friendship with younger guys at
3: all? I do not find it hard to maintain the friendship. I've got friends, you know, who are the 50-year-old with the 27-year-old boyfriend or the, <laughs> or the... You know, and, you know, there's some... There are a lot of young gay guys who like the older guys. And yeah. sometimes it's just the sugar daddy thing. Sometimes it's not. but. You know, I've been lucky in that the gay friends that I have now, I've been introduced by people who I already know, so I'm already coming in with an introduction, kind of. And no, they don't... They actually... I think they enjoy our company. I think it's always fun. Like, I personally am never the
0: kind of guy who necessarily gets, like... I don't want to say turned on or turned off by an older guy who comes up, but sometimes it's hard to not think, like, why is this older guy approaching me? Like, is he... Gonna ask me for something, or and even if I like went up to you, you'd be like, "Oh, this young guy probably just wants a drink from me." You, you know, they know they
3: want a drink from me, or they don't even, or they think we're a creep, and you know we're just trying to pick them up and you know hire them, yeah, you with know, a sugar baby or something. And, but that's know, what's crazy though. Happen,
0: but you know that's yeah. not all of us. But I think what's crazy is that once you do get that introduction, or if you meet somebody, like let's say you were at a work event and you happen to meet someone who was 25 gay, whatever, like you would create a friendship because you're in a social setting and it's like you have a common base, like right? Absolutely.
3: I have no problem. Most people don't, most young people don't treat me that way. And I don't treat them as inexperienced and ignorant and unwise and all that either. I mean, I, I don't experience that truly. Well, so based on the guys you hang out with, do you ever think that
0: maybe the younger generation of gay men don't like, they don't fully understand what the older generation of gay men went through? Like, do you think the younger generation of gay men take advantage of what the older generation has done for us?
3: I don't think they take advantage of it. I don't, you know, in my experience, they're curious. They just don't know any different and they like to hear about it. I mean, I don't think that they, you know, take it for granted or, you know, say, get out of the way, old man. You know, once they do it, they may not know about it. They may not know anything about it. And then it's my role to tell it to them. And they usually... got educate them. What? Gotta educate them.
0: Gotta educate the stupid young boys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, what advice would you give to, like, younger guys who might just be coming out, figuring out their sexuality or trying to, like, figure out adulthood? Like, what advice would you give to the younger generation of gay men?
3: Go ahead and do it. The world is very accepting. Your parents are probably going to be accepting. Your parents probably know. Um, Most of your friends probably know or won't be surprised and they won't care. It's amazing the younger generation. All the way to people in Florida, they just don't care. Whereas you think it's a big deal and it is a big deal to you. But when it actually happens, you'll be like, oh, why didn't I do it? It's not as bad as I thought. And you know don't make the mistake like I did. I mean I had a great life but it's not fair to it's not fair to everybody else to
0: hide who you really are. Well I think the tough thing for everybody is when they do come out is we're raised thinking we're straight. You know what I mean? Like you're never raised thinking that you could be gay or that you are this different person. So I think the toughest thing is you go 15, 16, 18 years thinking like, oh, I'm going to get married at 24. I'm going to have four kids before I'm 30. Like you think these things for so many years that it gets engraved in your brain. So I think when all of a sudden you realize that's not what your life is and that's not who you're going to become, it's a tough pill to swallow.
3: But then you've wasted that, those years getting to that point.
0: I, I agree.
3: You know, you've wasted that and um, when you feel that way, it, it, you know you are. You, you 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 go. Well, I'll just repress all these feelings and and urges. Mm-mm, that's not going to happen either. Just yeah, load it and go for it. Because it is natural. Have. It's natural and it is not learned or it is hundred percent genetic. So it's, I don't want to say it's
0: not your fault, but it's just who you are. And there's
3: no one like you, so you have to own it and like you grow as a person. I agree, and I'm. I grew up in a religious family. I'm still religious, and you know I believe that God made us all. The, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed because if you believe in God, He made you this way for a reason, and you are this way. You are who you are naturally, so don't don't be ashamed. Well,
0: Edwin, that was very cute. Oh, um, I see nice you. you. I hope we're having Tito's lemonade and pomegranate drinks On a boat that I hope you have in (laughs) South Carolina. (laughs) I I adored it. Thanks for asking
3: me to do it. You're funny. I appreciate it. Eat the um, you know, post coming too. All right. Well, my next guest is Michael from Connecticut.
0: How are you, sir? I am doing very well. How are you? I've I've been in the park. I got a tan. Had some wine. I am
4: I was out doing yard work, so I'm a, I'm a little bit tired, but I'm enjoying my glass of wine as
0: well and settling in, so it's all I good. Think that's what Sunday's for, right? Absolutely. Chilling and wine.
4: <laughs> if I could not do the yard work, that would be perfect, but you know,
0: you gotta mean, do what you I'm gotta ass- do. I'm assuming that means you own a property, which means you're a lot further yes. than all the people listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
4: all right, so no complaints then.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be envious that you own something. Okay. Um, Well, Michael, where do we start? So why don't we start with like, how old were you when you came out and like, when did you come out?
4: All right. So I'm, I'm 52 now. I came out when I was 20. Well, I officially came out to my father when I was 22. Um, I actually told a brother of mine, I come from a very large family. I told one of my oldest brother that I thought I was gay when I was 12. So young, so young. And, um, he didn't really know how to respond to that. So, and then I freaked out after telling him. So I said, no, it was just, I was confused. And then went back into the closet was like, no, not, not a good idea. And really decided that. Going into high school, it was just not a good time to deal with it. So I didn't really I just put it on the back burner. And then after high school, when I was in college and finally, you know, decided I was I was ready to deal with it, which is the way it always works. And uh, you know, my father, it turned out that my brother had told my father, and my father had said to leave him alone, just leave him alone. And during that time, my father, to his credit, had done an immense amount of reading, everything he could find about homosexuality um, so that That's by the amazing. time I came out, yeah, it's unheard of. My father is somebody who just had a high school diploma. so Wow. So he, yeah. And to his credit, I mean, his kids were important to him. And so he educated himself and he was great. He was great. My mother had died by then, but um, my father was amazing.
0: Were, did you, Were you with women prior to college at all?
4: No. Well, I mean, I probably went on a few dates, but it never got anywhere sexual. It was just, you never, I would get, I would get really close and then be like, I can't do this.
0: I, I get it. You know?
4: Cause I just felt like I'm going to lie. I'm it's like, I'm going to cross the line and it's going to matter. And it's not going to be the truth. And I just can't do that to someone.
0: So, I mean, it was a wet cave. I didn't know how to get out of and I hope i never <laughs> go back. That's, that's a description. Comment. It was a wet cave.
4: Well, you know,
0: that's, that's just where <laughs> I'm at with that situation. <laughs>
4: of how i imagined it and i just didn't want to go there
0: (laughs) i'm i can give you the any advice or just just now
4: no i'm lucky my husband um started with women so i've i've heard the stories it's good enough for me (laughs)
0: yeah you've lived it as far as i've lived it yeah well do you think it was difficult growing up navigating your sexuality i mean it seems like you had a very Um, accepting father your brother seemed like he was very fine with it i mean was um, it
4: well you know he it was it was incredibly difficult because of the time. I mean, you're talking about the, the 70s and 80s, and um, you know, the AIDS epidemic was was in its finally getting attention um, late 80s, mid mid to late 80s. And by then, I was graduating high school, so it was a really trying time because it was so difficult to one even think about doing anything or, or going out and meeting anybody. Two, there was n- I had no way of knowing. I lived in a really sheltered sort of, you know, suburban life where I didn't know anybody else. I've been raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic, you know, elementary school, grammar school through eighth grade, and then went to public high school and just had no idea how to even begin. And, um, and then my brother who, I don't know really how he felt about it, my older brother, because when my father said, don't tell anyone, he told everybody. (laughs) And that's when the sort of teasing began. My, my, brothers and sisters were merciless when it was like, it was worse than kids at school. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And, um, and that was rough for a long time. And, um, you know, even though my, I think my father tried, but you know, my, my mother died shortly after I told my brother. So it was, I probably told my brother in the spring and my mother died that summer uh, when I was 12. So it was my father trying to deal with, I'm, you know, I come from a family of nine. So, there are nine kids. My father was like, I got to raise nine kids on my own. What the hell am I going
0: to do? So that's like the least of his worries at that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Gay
4: kid, who cares?
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
4: and you know, so it was really, it was difficult and it was the less I said, the better I, for me, at least in my perception of it. And so I didn't, I just kept it to myself. I didn't say anything. And I dealt with whatever teasing came my way and just sort of brushed it off.
2: and you know, just tried to get through it. Um, I think that my, just my father being steadfast through
4: it was enough. Yeah. Um, even though he couldn't say anything cause he was like, I, it wasn't his place to say it. it I wanted you to be able to say it. And it, you know, he talked about, I left books for you to see. I'm like, nah, didn't see anything. I was not ready to come out. It was not on yeah, my I mean- radar. So, um, And you feel, you know, when you live with that secret, you feel constantly just really bad about yourself. Um, and so, you know, you have a huge amount of shame. And that's really what, you know, I spent a good chunk of my years, you know, my my early developmental years dealing with is I'm ashamed all the time. It's uh, the fact that I'm lying. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I watch young people today and I've had students come out to me and talk to me about it. And and it's been amazing because I'm like, God, to be at your age
2: and Do to be able to say to an adult. Sexuality?
4: So I've had young students come up and say, you know, can I talk to you about something? And, and sure. And, you know, then there's the 20 minutes of awkward silence where they can't really say what they want to say. And it's a lot of I'll ask a lot of questions because at that point, I'm sort of like, oh, I know what this is. Yeah. And, you know, eventually get them to say, yeah, I, I think that I'm gay. Okay, so why do you think you're gay? And then, okay, and what do you want to do about that? And um, that's been a really positive thing about being a teacher is having, and being a, an out teacher is that kids know they can come and talk to me. Um, and that's been a real positive. But, you know, I didn't have that when I was growing up. So you navigated that sort of water and you just held on.
0: Did you have friends when you, so when you finally came out, did you have anyone in your inner circle who was gay?
4: So by the time I came out at 21, I had joined a college group, um, of L- an LGBTQ uh, college group. And so I had a small group of friends that um, I had support from. and um, And that helped me walk in and be able to have that conversation with my father. And that conversation took like 30 minutes of me like no everything's fine never mind and then it'd be like no no you're not leaving until you talk to us and it's like because yeah. you know he'd been waiting all this time it's like no you're gonna sit here and you're gonna say what you need to. Say. it doesn't matter what you say yes it matters what I say and it was a lot of that you know and my father at some point felt that like I don't know why you didn't feel like you could talk to me it's like you know I've always been clear it didn't matter I love my kids for who they are and it's like yeah but what if this is the wrong t- one time you don't, what if this is the one time you're wrong and it's the one time I really need you. Um, it's the one time where it makes a difference because I can't change this. And, um, and that's what made it hard. And it turned out that I also have one of my sisters is also gay and she never actually came out to my father and my father and I had a long conversation about it, about like why I'm like, cause she was your little girl. Like if it was hard for me, it was 10 times harder for you yeah. for her, you know? So, that was you know and then she and i are are really close and um for more than just the fact that we're both gay um you know we're both actually really interested in each other and and the lives that we've led so i love that
0: um, yeah so do you think when you were growing up though do you think the aids epidemic in the 80s impacted let's uh, say like maybe a delay of coming out or interest in men
4: uh you know not the interest in them <laughs> that, that didn't change that me, <laughs> one or 12 i you know at 12 i had the biggest crush on one of my bro- older brother's friends um so that did not change any, any of that but it certainly delayed being able to come out and being able to talk about it because now you're watching all of these news reports talking about it and it's first it's the gay cancer and then it's you know this disease that's only happening to homosexual men and then that's all i'm going to be known as and if i come out what's What is there going to be for me? There's going to be nothing but I can't have sex with anyone because, you know, any kind of relationship because I could potentially get HIV and then what, and then I'm going to die. Um, And that was so frightening. So even when joining the group, when I finally joined the group and on campus, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, fine, now I have this group of friends, but what do I do now? You know? And so, yeah, that definitely slowed me down and made me think twice about every physical interaction I I had and what that meant um, and my own comfort level with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, when you started, like, when you finally did come out, um, and you were obviously only 22, so you were very young, did you, when you went out to bars or wherever you went out, did you start getting attention from older men? Did you go for younger
1: guys? Like, what was...
2: I always joke that, um,
4: and this is yours, I met my husband when I was 32, but um, at that point, my my requirement for a man was, does he have a steady respiration and a pulse? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I uh, <laughs> my standards were not super high. I remember my sister actually, to her credit, she came, they live in Maine, she came down and her and her wife took me to my first gay bar. I remember walking in and like all of these older gentlemen were sitting at the bar and all their heads turned. And it just was this feeling of like, I am fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> they were waiting and, to pounce. Waiting to pounce. And nobody actually, because I was with my sister, nobody actually did anything. But, um,
2: I, I think I would have responded to anybody regardless of age, if I felt attracted to them. Um, um, And I always, I went through, you know, a long period of my twenties where I just thought
4: nobody really looks at me. I'm not attractive. I'm not, you know, I didn't think that I had anything to, to offer anybody. Um, And again, a lot of that impact of a lot of that shame that you carry so that you think no one's going to want me. I don't fit the mold and everything you see. And I think it was one of the things I wrote to you about was, you know, the categories that we have in the community and how you're you know, you're, you're a twink or you're a muscle guy or you're a muscle bear or you're a bear or you're, you know, and it's like, I don't feel like I fit or at that time fit any of those. And even now it's like, I don't like the idea that I, would somebody consider me a bear? Would somebody consider me a daddy? Would somebody consider me a cub? Like I'm not, I'm not big enough to be this. I'm not small enough to be like, it's, you
0: know, it's a lot of boxes we put ourselves in for some, it is.
4: And, um, And so I didn't know what to do and I had no idea. And I was really socially awkward because you don't have any of those developmental pieces growing up. Yeah. Learning how to do anything. Right. Or how to navigate, you know, that sort of feel. So when someone pays attention to you, it's like, they're not looking at me are they looking at, you know, and it was a lot of my friends in the group going like, no, he's looking at you. And I'm like, no, he's he's looking at you. He's not looking at me. And that became, um, I mean, but I was open to anybody.
0: Um, so age never played a factor for you when you were... I back. mean, you know,
4: if somebody who was 70-something approached me when I was 20-something, I probably would have said no.
0: Yeah.
4: But, again, if I thought they were attractive and they were 40 or 50, I don't think I would have... Um, as a matter of fact, I know I wouldn't have, because I know that I met somebody and... Um, had a very short relationship with somebody who was probably in his mid to late forties when I was in my twenties. Wow. So, um, it was a very casual thing, but it was just one of those moments where it was like, no, he's sexy. He's cute.
0: He's, um uh, you know, absolutely. Do you think age plays a factor in like today's current situation? Oh, God, Yeah.
4: But, but it, it's weird because you have the whole daddy thing going on now, the whole daddy phenomenon. And, um, and I think that's really fascinating to me. But part of it is like, do you want someone to take care of you? Cause you know, I'm a teacher I'm <laughs> and I'm married, but, but like my husband and I, like, we both had young people flirt with us and you're like, Oh honey, you know, see me in 30, 40 years when you, <laughs> when you have more of a life to go on. Um, because I'm not taking, I'm not raising anybody. If I wanted to raise somebody, I'd raise children. And we, purposely decided not to adopt children so um you know it's it's interesting because i think there's that that piece of it that's occurring and at the same time there's a huge piece where it's sort of like just if you don't fit the daddy image then we don't want anything to do with you um and you know i don't feel a very huge part of the gay community um at least here in connecticut um, When I lived in New York, I was more involved. I was more involved in the community center. So there was groups for aging, you know, people. And so you had groups that you could get involved in. But again, it's all categorized by what you're, you know.
0: And I think that's unfortunate. Everything, yeah. Yeah. I think you had this,
4: you know, the huge group that's aging now is, is all of those people who were really powerful and instrumental in the HIV and ACT UP time and um pushing towards the rights that we have today and i think that oftentimes while there's appreciation especially by those younger people who are in the know of what their history is that's what you know it's appreciation and that's it they're not always that involved with i want to be friends with this person um and you know my husband and i have a varied group of friends that of, of different ages but not a lot of younger gay people are in that group we'll have younger straight people Mm -hmm. but there's no real younger gay people who are in our group i mean i have students who have stayed in touch with me um after they've come out and just sort of you know ask questions which has been great when somebody asks you for advice or you know is this typical i mean obviously today you know if i struggled with there was no way to to date or really do anything unless you went to a gay club or a gay bar when i was younger Today, you have social media, and it's all about the hookup culture. And so having young people say, like, is it really like this? Like, well, yeah, I mean, it is. It doesn't mean that you will never meet somebody that it fits with, but it's kind of where we're at right now.
0: Well, I think it's tough because I think as someone who is in their 20s, it's kind of like there's always going to be somebody better, right? That it's like you you could feel like you have this great connection with somebody, but then you happen to not be there one weekend they're going to end up with someone in your friend group or someone else. And it's, I don't want to call it sleazy, but it's almost like you can never get to the point of building a relationship because it gets ruined before you can even get anywhere close to wanting to be interested. Like, well, I feel like it just immediately turns you off when right. you see people go after like someone after three days and you're like, okay, well now I don't really want to hook up with you because you just hooked up with my friend three days ago. It just turns right. you off immediately. And I think right. that's kind of what gay culture is at the moment and what it's becoming. And it's, I don't know if quarantine right now is going to help the cause or hinder the <laughs> cause. Cause, like, I mean, I personally don't want to hook up with six different people in a week, you know? Right. So maybe it's giving some people some stability at the moment. Or maybe right. everyone's going to come out of this and just be a crazy hoe. I don't yeah, know. I-
2: You know,
4: I certainly have friends who are single and they're like, they have been approached by a lot of people to hook up and they're like, it's quarantine. Like, no, (laughs) like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm over 50 and, and you're what, you're 30 something or you're 40 something like, no, like I'm at higher risk than you are because of my age. Like, I'm not going to risk that for anybody. But I think, um, you know, the the idea that, oh, there's going to be somebody better, there is, there's always going to be somebody better. There's going to, they're going to be better at something that your partner is not, but they're not going to be better in other ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been, I've been with my husband now for 20 years and it's like, yeah, guess what? I've met plenty of men who might be better in some ways, but this is the guy who gets me. This is the guy who puts up with all of, and I, you know, have plenty of faults and he puts up with them. And, you know, that's not worth throwing away the the stability of that and the fact that we talk about everything so you know and that's what a real relationship does you have to be able to talk about everything and the options that you have or what or the things that you want and then say okay well how does that impact our relationship if i do this what happens and i think you know a lot of people and especially when you're young like you said you, you there's just there's always something Right next door. So I'm just going to go for the right next door and not worry about it. Um, And I get that because I certainly was not. I think I was, because of my own fears about HIV, I was somebody who in my 20s, if I met somebody like this, got to work. And my first relationship was probably about six to eight months long. And, you know, if I look back at it now, it was not. A great relationship. It was kind of a boring relationship. I don't know why I stayed in it. <laughs> the law. <laughs> then I had a partner for three and a half years and it was just somebody who looking back, like we would have been good friends, but we're not good partners. We we want each other to be people we're not, and we're never going to be. And so that was the sort of thing of going like, okay, this has got to end because it's not working. and We're both angry all the time and it just sucks to be that way. Um, And then a number of short relationships after that, before I met my husband and then, you know, the two of us, but we've, the thing about him is the ability to talk about everything. He's so incredibly honest and helped me learn that some, when somebody says something, they're just saying it, it doesn't mean that they're going to do anything. They're saying it. So now the conversation is what do you do about it? And if you do that, you end up in a place that's, you know, that can work that you'll find whatever works for for everybody i mean i certainly don't think you know some people have open relationships some people have do things secretly which you know i think is a (laughs) big mistake but but again it's their freedom to do that and then or there might have really good reasons why it's being done that way and then you know my husband and i just talk about everything and we're like you know we've gone through these different phases of trying to see what works and what doesn't work we've reached the point where you're like it's why would I want to be like I'm single and try to hook up and then, you know, have that open relationship and then come home to something like, it's so much work being like, thanks, but no thanks. I I have you
0: more. I think what I'm learning with the open relationship thing is I think within my friends anyways, I've noticed is it's not so much when they're home. It's more when people go away. So like if we're on like a boy's trip in Spain or something, it's like they feel they don't want to feel like they're held back from hooking up with somebody while they're abroad living this whatever lifestyle at a festival that their boyfriend's not at i think it's more that that they still feel like they're so young that they want these life experiences while they're doing fun things but But how
4: but how does that life experience add to their life
0: Listen, I don't know. I can't even get a relationship, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a couple steps behind even having that problem, so I don't know.
4: I mean, granted, some sexual relationships or some sexual interactions are hotter than other. I get that, but yeah. you know, but then it's over. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, you know, it's it's possible that I've been removed from it for so long that <laughs> that piece of it doesn't connect just anymore.
0: So in love, Michael. That's it. <laughs> well.
4: You know, it's interesting because students all the time we talk about, um, you know, you teach Romeo and Juliet and you talk about love with teenagers and they're always like, oh, love is this feeling. And I'm like, no, love is a choice. Love is a choice where you get up in the morning, you look at the person next to you and think, if I put the pillow over his head, I could be free. I'm going to choose love today and I'm not going to do it. Um, And you have days like that. Like, I am really sick of you. I mean, I'm really lucky my husband travels for work or or at least did before COVID. Um, And so we have this really nice time where he'd go away come home and and there it increased the appreciation for one another um and the fact that that's lasted even through covid when we're both working from home it's you know says something to the fact that we built a relationship that is about and that takes time and it takes getting over the physical and initial sort of feelings and really thinking about what is real love what does it mean to commit to a person and really love them yeah and love everything about them even the stuff you don't like and that's um you know and I think that comes with age though I think that you know I didn't I didn't have that at 20s which is why I couldn't have that
2: kind of relationship it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was able to do that and even then the first five years it was a lot of learning
0: it's always you're always learning (laughs) always well, Michael, what advice would you give to somebody who might be just coming out or let's just say the younger generation of gay men in general, what advice would you give to them that you've learned?
4: Um, one, it's your journey. So you decide where it goes and how it happens. Nobody else should ever dictate the choices that you make um, or what's right or wrong for you. Um, and so you have to give yourself the freedom to have those learning experience. So, you know, you're talking about all those people who go off and they just like, I don't think that's a great idea, but that's for me, for them, you know, you have to have that freedom. You also have to take responsibility for what the repercussions are of those. I think it's important to build a group of friends. And I think the more varied your group is, the better. Um, And that's not just, that's varied in culture. That's varied in age um, because you need the multiple perspectives that you have. I mean, our friend group, Probably ranges from um, just about 30. And we have friends who are as old as, you know, they're late to mid 70s. Might even be age, might even be 80. I'm not sure. Um, but, and because we just have these varied group of people who are really interesting and you can have conversations with them and get insight into things um, that, you know, you're not going to get from one your own age group and from people who are doing everything that you're doing. So, you know, I think one of the things that I always struggled with is the fact that so often um, when we talk about the categories people go in, they usually date within those categories.
0: Yeah, So you, you get a type from that.
4: Right. And so you'll see a lot of um, guys and I think and. And again, this is perception based. So I know that perception is not always reality, but you know, you look at a, a guy who's, you know, the, a gym bunny and he's dating a gym bunny or he's you know married to a gym bunny. And you're like, well, yeah. And it might be that they met at the gym and that's their common thing. And there might be much more to them than, than that. But it's this feeling of when you see that repetitively over and over and over again, that you see like everyone's looking for themselves. And what does that mean? Like you're not taking time to know other people. And I, I I think I wrote to you about the fact that I felt like in Europe, I didn't have that when we go to Europe and we visit in Europe, like I don't have that experience. People are interested in me for me. It's not. And you meet couples who are, wow, this guy's in really great shape and his husband's in okay shape or his husband's sort of, you know, chunky. But the relationship between them is so fantastic. And it's real. Um, it's real because it's about who they are as people and what they bring to one another's life. And, and it's not they've gotten past the physical piece of it. Um, and I think that's, especially through social media, that's so much more intense. I think one of the things that, which is why I follow you, that I think is really interesting, is it isn't just that you post the pictures of the bum, it's the story that goes with it, that there's something more that, that you realize there's more to this person than just, yeah, they got a cute behind, <laughs> nice to look at. Yeah. But there's, there's, here's their history and it makes you rethink the physical part of it. And I find that really interesting. And, you know, that might be the educator thing. I don't know for me where it's about, you see, it's, it's like, here's the bomb that's going to catch your attention, but really you should read this. Yeah. And if they take the time to read it, you know, and that's what I like. And then you follow, you have your podcast and, um, and you're dealing and you're talking about stuff that, you know, is relevant and interesting um, with people.
0: So, Well, I think especially with social media, it's like everybody perceives, everyone posts what they want you to think about them, right. right? So like people might post that they're rich and live this glamorous lifestyle, but at the end of the day, it could all be on credit cards Right. or people could be posting that they just like to float in their pool, hang out with the same group of friends, and they might be a millionaire. They don't want you to know they're finding... Like, it's people post what they want you to think about them. Right. And I think the tough thing is, is that that's what we're all basing humans off of nowadays, is what you see on a screen. Right. So it's, it's not authentic anymore. It's all perception. And even for me, it's like I... I don't want to say I live a uh, character on social media, but I feel like I'm obviously so much more than posting a speedo picture, what you see on a screen and my day to day with my friends and what you see. It's like, I'm posting who wants to be posted. I'm posting right. who doesn't mind being posted. I mean, there's so many friends I have who they don't want to be seen on social media by that many people. And it's fine. So I think it's as we get older and the, what everyone I think should learn is that everybody is more than what you see on a screen and you're more than a hot butt. And I think we all need to take the time to get to know each other. And that's kind of why I love this podcast as well as I would never connect with people like you. And like, that's mm-hmm. the best thing about social media. You know, it connects to people who would never cross paths.
4: All right, when I answered it, it was sort of like, Oh, I'll answer the question. Okay. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but whatever. And then when you reached out, it was sort of like, what? Really? um then I I spoke to a friend of mine I was like Well, you think I should do this and they're like of course you should do it and I'm just like okay um but I think that that's I think for some people the hard part is to separate the two and realize that what you present sometimes is and I don't mean you personally but oftentimes what's presented on social media is the fact that like you said is what they're selling and what people want to see versus the reality of it and then the problem is that I think a lot of young people today don't understand how to separate and understand that. And so they end up taking it and they sort of digest it and then they become this sort of veneer and there's no depth to them. I mean, I've met a number of people and you're like, they're nice, but there's nothing interesting. Yeah. Or yeah, I get the fact that you like the, the nice clothes, but so what? Um, there are a lot of people who can't afford clothes or they're you know, so. And I think that's the hard part today is that I think a lot of those young people, and I've seen, you know, the beauty of working with teenagers is you get exposed to a lot of stuff and they're, you got to watch TikTok and you have to do this and, you know, things like that. I love that, TikTok,
2: you know? <laughs>
4: and so I started watching pieces of it and you're sort of like, oh, there are, there is this great group of young people who are LGBTQ and who are active and who are out there and who are doing things. And it's like, oh, and they're promoting this, you know, ideas and history and, and sharing things and, and being controversial and in and positive ways. And, and that's fantastic. Um, and certainly something that, you know, wouldn't have occurred to me. It's not my, it's not what I grew up with. It's not the way that I approach it. Um, but there's a whole group, I think that that is about the veneer because they don't understand how do you create, truth in it and how do you how do you live what's true and i think they get lost in that um but i think that's
1: always the danger of
4: you know social media so
1: it exposes you to too much maybe before you're ready for it yeah
4: and i you know i you know i i believe that there's a, a shallowness within the community at the same time you know i'm just a, i can be just as shallow <laughs> i certainly have i follow a certain number of people on Instagram that like, yeah, what caught my eyes? You look really good. Um, But there are others who like, you happen to be good looking, but some of the pictures you take when you travel are amazing. Or, or, you know, like I said, like you, when you, you post these pictures of that's a cute behind, but the story is always there and it's really interesting to read. Um, And I love that because it's like, oh, it wakes you up and it stops you from, you know, whatever you're looking at and thinking about, there's more to this person than just, you know, a cute butt. Some of it is, you know, at my age, you're just envious of like, wow, I remember when my behind used to look like that. <laughs> Not like anymore. Um, or the guys who are my age who are like, wow, you look amazing. I wish I could spend as much time as you do working out. I just have other things in my life that I put first, and that's my choice.
0: And yeah. you know. um, Everyone values different things. It doesn't. It's complicated.
4: It's, it's. I mean, our community is really complicated. It's come a long way. And I think it has a lot of things to deal with. Um, and I think they've made the direction they're going in is really good. But at the same time, I think like all of the society, we need to own our shortcomings. And we need to have a really long, hard look at them. And that's hard to do. It's hard to face yourself.
0: Here we are. we are well thank you so much for coming on michael i appreciate it
4: my pleasure